gentlemen what's going on it's a very first time for us a video edition of the rap lab it's your man and candy man at alfre to the d and it's your boy the one and only the only one the rev baba mc you know how i do always keeping it true it's the cute and uh ladies and gentlemen if you see on the screen below me we got a very 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 when i say very special guest uh this one hits hits home to me it's very personal uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got uh, Mac Phipps, recording artist, former No Limit Records artist, and uh, uh, somebody who we're very happy to speak to today. Mac, tell the people what's up. Man, what's going on to everybody out there? Um, man, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, and I want to thank you guys for, uh, for having me here, and I just want to say peace to everyone out there, man. Absolutely. Yo, before we get this started, uh, Mac, and again, not just because you're here, but uh, I'm a very big fan of yours. And I was a big No Limit fan to begin with. And right. uh, I used to want to rap back in the day. So funny story. So up here in New York, nobody really listened to No Limit like that, right? Right, so, right. So I used, to, <laughs> I used to spit some of your verses when we were ciphering in high school. And everybody just used to be like, yo, this guy Alfred is cold. <laughs> not knowing that it, not, <laughs> not knowing that th those was your verses. <laughs> So, so I, 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 I that, that got me that got me some respect in high school. So I I, I owe you for that. Wow, wow! Look, and, and 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 yo, I can't even front that that was that was just fire. I mean, I I, would, I probably would do the same thing. That was fire. Yeah, man. This this CD right here changed changed my life, bro. So now you know, now, now check it out. On that same note, I'm I'm gonna tell you, I being a no limit artist and being in the south. I was a diehard East Coast hip hop fan. And because so, many of the concepts that I would hear on East Coast songs, I basically flipped them and interpreted them to the, the Southern uh, audience. And that's where a lot of my uh, influence and concepts came from. So I pretty much did the same thing, just on a, a different, in a different way. Right, no, 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 I appreciate that, man, because, um... That's one of the reasons why I gravitated toward you, because, you know, I listen to everybody from that catalog, PC, Silk, Soldier Slim, Magic, Serve On, but you always sounded different. And I was like, yo, this dude got the most dexterity out of the crew. And it was sounding like stuff we was hearing up here. So I was like, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't imitate your flow. But the words, man, the words is what is and what got, got, got people. Got thank those words. You have to thank CL Smooth, Rakim. Um, Dress from Black Sheep, nice. Uh, Nas, um, a little bit of Tribe. You got to thank all of those guys for what you heard. Wow. They do call you the uh, Down South Nas. <laughs> I've heard that term uh, being referred to you before. Oh man, and and, and that's kind of is that's that's humbling, and you know it's it's, it's humbling and it's kind of irritating too. Because it's like, yo, <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm the Down South me, but you know, right. big up Nas, man. Nas is I, I heard his latest album, man, and I was just like, once again. <laughs> Once again, it was like a gut punch. Like, this dude was just a beast, man. Oh, yeah. I think it might have been the fade. He always kept, like, a nice, clean cut, too, just like him. 
Well, I, I think it's because of, you know, the way my hair is set up, you know, I can't really do too much else with it. <laughs> I line it up. No, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm clean shaven because after a while, it took me a while to, to accept it. Well, might as well just cut it off. Hey, man, I'm, come on in. I'm, I'm still in the mouth just a little bit. I got a little bit. Okay. It looks good. I'm still in a little bit of denial, but uh, I know it's uh, coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm from yeah, Queens, so I earned it. Oh <laughs> no, no, that's that's wisdom. That's wisdom and blessings. Most man. definitely. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I'm from Queens, so all those names you mentioned, that's. That's homegrown, oh, man. Yeah. I'm it's just like just like the Rev and I, you know, we come from this, so we right, right. You know, we love to hear that. Right, man. I actually been to New York twice and I never stayed overnight. It was always <laughs> we came in town, we went to either BT or MTV and flew out that same day. So I never really got a chance to move around in New York. And what's weird is I was always a New York fan. Like, so it's like you couldn't tell me back in 91, 92, I wasn't from like Queens, New Orleans. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. It's crazy love because that. I had my little hair twisted, had the dreads with the fade on the side. I thought I was uh I thought I was a member of Leaders of the New School back then. Hey. Awesome. <laughs> now, you, you, you you always had a soldier rag sagging on your head, so you could have you could Yeah, I had that too. And I had the and I had the uh, you know, back then I had the I had the dreads with the soldier rag and you know, I really thought, you know, I had the backpack on. I was one of the backpack MCs. Nice. nice. Gotcha. That's now, tradition, not- man. That's culture. Yes, I'm, not gonna li- I'm not going to lie. I don't yet. know what I had the backpack for. I just had it, you know, because it was <laughs> it just looked good <laughs> to me at that time. Nah, your, your, your outfit in the World War Three video, I thought was the flyest thing when I first saw it. Oh, man. Let me see the World War III. Oh, that's crazy because I thought that was hideous. Really? <laughs> you thought it was hideous? <laughs> I thought that was hideous. No, not, not the outfit. In hindsight, that damn jacket was just too long, man. I was walking around, <laughs> looked like I had a oh. trench cape on. I don't know what the hell it was. Now, yo, and it, damn, it's funny you say that because I wanted I wanted a jacket like that. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been walking around with a trench cape on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I'm gonna kick off this uh this first question, Matt, because you you've been doing music like your your whole life. Um right. you, you even released some music when you when you was uh when you was a kid, uh as little Mac. So like right, what, right. what got you into music? What made you want to rap? All right, so I'm 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 I be trying to switch the stories up, but see when you switch see when you be lying too much, sometimes you can't keep. All right, so I'm gonna try to (laughs) keep the same story. So this is what actually happened, man. Um, I was sitting in the house watching videos. It was 1984. I remember it like yesterday. I was seven years old, and Cool It Now came on by New Edition. And when they got to the part where they were like, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, I love the girls. Who cares who you like? And I was just listening to that. And I was like, yo, I can do that. I had learned that part. And I wasn't a singer. My voice is horrible. But I could do that part. And I was like, man, if they can do that. And they looked like kids to me. I was like, I can do that, too. So that night, I wrote a rap. And that's what started the journey just into I, I fell in love with just the art of writing. I fell in love with just listening to all of the, the stuff on the radio. And I, I brought it to my uncle, my uncle Bean. And he basically um, took me to some guys who he felt can do something for my career. And I eventually met Manny Fresh. And uh, he began he began producing tracks for me at like 11 or 12 years old. Nice, nice. Also, yeah, I just would like to know, you know, releasing an album at age 13 is definitely a high achievement. And I'm sure you had a lot on your plate, you know, it's like school and such. But what was the process like for you doing that, being a young teenager? 
Well, it it was it was challenging, you know. It, but I, I guess I loved hip hop so much, so it really didn't matter. It, at the time, you know, it was me and my cousin Wiz, and Wiz was like, um, he rapped too. But the label we were with, they were like, you know, they they were more focused on me and having him as like my hype man. So we used to go in the studio every day. And um, I would be in the studio, man, like two, two, three in the morning. And, and they were like feeding me coffee <laughs> because I had to get up for school because my parents were like, yo, if your grades start slipping, then this contract is over with. So mm-hmm. I had to basically be in the studio, give that give that my all and then go in class and give my all in class. So my I, I maintained like straight A's, you know what I mean? And I still was trying to please my parents so that I can do what I wanted to do with hip hop. Right. Nice. That's awesome. Dope. Awesome. Um, on your uh, debut album, Shell Shock, track number two, Be All You Can Be, it sampled Careless Whisper by George Michael. So wow. uh, so uh, growing up, were you into other genres of music? If so, um, what are they? Oh, man, I, I love uh, all kinds of music. Like, you know, I, my man, I can't I can't even begin to tell you all of my favorite artists, but my I would say that my favorite artist of all time is Prince. Okay. Right, solo artist. My favorite band of all time is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite R&B group, of course, is New Edition. Um, my list of favorites goes across genres. Bob Marley is my favorite reggae artist. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, they got this artist and that artist." I listen to all kinds of reggae, nice. and I love reggae, but I love yeah. Bob Marley. And um, I like Elton John is one of my favorite artists, ironically. Um, Man, I, I like country. I like I like all kinds of music. I I can't even I like jazz. I love jazz. Being from New Orleans, you you fall in love with jazz anyway. So um my mother used to listen to different types of music when she was um cleaning up in the house or when she was painting, because my mother's an artist. So I always knew what she was doing by what she was listening to. If it was jazz, then she was painting, because she's a visual artist. If it was um, uh, gospel music, she was cleaning up. You know what I mean? It's like different things she did and music that she listened to. And then when I was with my pops, that's when I was uh, hearing the Earth, Wind, and Fire and uh, the, the the meters and and just all of that funk back then. So I've I've been on all kinds of music. As far as that song in particular, um, Careless Whispers, me and my partner Fiend were actually riding from. We were leaving. The Lexus dealership, i never forget it. And it came on, on the radio. And we was just in the car, like, looking at each other. And we was like, yo. And we, like, mutually was like, yo, we got to do this. So we went to the studio that night and got uh, Moby Dick to do the track. That is nice. Awesome story. Wow. Inspiration. That's great. Um, speaking of Moby Dick, so Beats by the Pound. Um, obviously, it was, a, it was a group of multiple producers. If you had to pick one, which one was your favorite one to work with if you had a favorite? A favorite? Actually, I didn't have a favorite because all of them had different. I knew who to go to for what song I was doing. Like if I wanted something just hype, I went to KL because KL was like, you know, his, he was going to give you that drum major sound. Um, if I wanted something real mellow, I would probably go to Odell. If I wanted something that was gangster but melodic, I probably went to Carlos. If I wanted a club joint, I went to Craig B. If I wanted something just totally different, I went to Moby Dick. 
So it was, it was, it was each one of them had something different that they brought to the table. Right. So each one of them had a signature sound. Right. Right. Now, I didn't even realize that. Now I got to go back through the catalog and right. Just listen, go back, go back and listen. You'll be like, yo. <laughs> All right, so that's how I knew. Like, I can listen to all the no limit, uh, all the no limit tracks, and just without even knowing, without even if I wasn't in the studio with them that day, I can tell you who did the beat by the drum kits they used and the particular um, pattern of the song. Nice, nice. Um, so early in your career, I read that you rejected a deal from Def Jam. Um, what made you go down a different path musically? Well, let, let me clarify that. Let me clarify that. So um, it wasn't that I rejected a deal from Def Jam. What actually happened was a friend of mine named Wild Wayne, who's a DJ in New Orleans. Q93. Uh, yeah, Q93. And Wild Wayne is my main man. We, you know, I've been rocking with Wayne since I was a teenager. I used to carry equipment for Wayne. So um, Wayne got a meeting with me, got a meeting for me with Kevin Lyles, who was actually, um, I think, like second in charge at Def Jam at the time. And... Um, it was the Gavin convention was in town in New Orleans. And um, I came in there, I rapped for him, I played my demo and I think he was really interested. And he was uh, kind of giving me, um, he was basically telling me that if I came to New York, things would probably pick up for me faster. Right. Nice. Well, when I left out of the meeting with them, you know, I, I was just thinking I was 19 years old, man. And as much as I love New York music, I don't know if I was just ready at that time to move that far away from home and nothing happens. Had I been one of those guys who didn't know anything about the music industry or, you know, a, a wide eyed teenager who hadn't had the experiences I had as a kid being in the industry, putting the album out and not making any money, I probably would have just ran with it. But I was aware that you can actually sign with a record label and not make any money. So I was just like, man, I'm way out here in New York. I'm by myself. I'm not near family. And what if I don't make any money? I'm stuck. So the so no limit was like a more convenient choice for me. Got it. Got it. Okay. And I knew everybody that was around no limit. So right. Right. I gotta ask awesome. you one. I gotta ask you one question, Mac. So going back to your album when you was a kid, right? So I need wheels. Was that yeah. a true? Was that a true story? No. In fact. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, let me say this for the record. I did not write I Need Wheels. No. I need wheels. Was, I need wheels was written by a guy named Gregory D, who was one of my producers at the time, right? So when we put my album together, we had like 12 songs on the album, right? Because Gregory D and Manny Fresh were my producers, the um CEO of the company felt that Greg. He felt that Gregory D was a uh, local hit maker, right? So he had songs on the radio in New Orleans. So he was confident that Greg can come up with my hit. I actually hated the song because I was a battle rapper. You know, I was like, man, I don't want to. Whereas, you know, I'm 12 years old. In hindsight, I'm like, you're a kid, dude. Sit down somewhere. But when I was 12 years old and I was hanging around all these older guys, I felt like, no, I want to get in the battles and, you know, this, that, and the other. So um, they were trying to give me a more, not not a Gregory D and Manny Fresh, but the label. They were trying to give me a more of a Fresh Prince type image. And in hindsight, it probably would have worked for my young ass if I would have just rolled with it. But I, I I was fighting it, you know what I mean? And um, Gregory wrote I Need Wheels and he wrote a song called Young and Embarrassed, which I Need Wheels was like, I need love. Young and Embarrassed was like parents just don't understand. 
And wow. the other 10 songs on the album were mine. So if you listen to the other 10 songs on the album, they are totally different from those two songs. Wow. And that and that song, that, that story and that song is so relatable. Uh, right, right. Every, every I'm, 12, every... I'm proud of it now. But back then, <laughs> I hated it, man. I was like, this is the worst. Why would they do this? <laughs> you know, I wanted to get on the mic. I felt like at that time, I wanted to battle Special Ed. He was saying he was the youngest in charge, and I was younger than him. And I was like, nah, I want to go to, I want to battle this dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that. Like that. Um, in the early stage of your career, we talked about it earlier when you went by the Rat Me Lil Mac and you worked with uh, Manny Fresh. What was that like as far as his production style compared to the No Limit production? Well, Manny, it, Manny was Manny was a DJ, right? So Manny knew what the audience wanted to hear. He knew that they love breakdowns. He knew that they love when you. Uh, um, when you slow the tempo down, speed it back up. If you listen to a lot of the, the cash money music and that whole little era, it was really some real DJ shit, if I can say shit. On the yeah, you, you, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Manny yeah, music yeah. was a reflection of real club DJing because that's what he did. I mean, Manny, Manny had no choice. His dad was a DJ, so he never really had a choice. You know what I mean? This was just something that he walked in, he inherited DJing and um, I used to sit as a kid and just watch him put the songs together and he taught me how to like arrange my songs in bars and choruses because when I met Manny I was just writing a lot of run on raps the rap might go on for seven minutes but he was telling me to you know take this you got to put your chorus here and I, I eventually start trying to fool around with production when he would leave out the room when he would, you know, when he would leave out his uh, pre-production room, I used to sneak in there, plug all the stuff up and just try to imitate what he was doing. So he eventually sat me down to kind of show me because he knew I was going to break his damn equipment. I was a kid and I didn't care. I was going to do this whether he wanted me to or not. <laughs> nice. Nah, so, so let me, let me, let me ask you this. So, and when you, when you drop World War Three, World War Three has a distinct, different sound than the shell shop right um you had songs on there like uh that's hip-hop and and battle cry and mm -hmm. it, it, it sonically it just sounded different did right. you like do that on purpose or did you have the concept in your mind or is it something you were just making songs and then you just flowed with how all of them were coming about all right well so world war three is, is is two part uh where i was actually and i didn't know then i didn't know at the time but in hindsight, I was actually probably close to being depressed when I recorded World War III. I didn't know it at the time, you know, because you're young and we just move and we're moving about our days. But as I got educated about what depression was, you know, while I was in prison, I was like, yo, that that is probably what was going on with me. I probably was depressed. World War III was recorded after I had um, achieved a certain amount of financial uh, freedom after being on No Limit for a while, and as a kid, you know, I always dreamed that, man, you know, I'm gonna make music, I'm gonna get rich, and then I'm gonna be happy. Well, I started making a lot of money, and I wasn't happy. And I was like, yo, like, this is weird. I thought that it was gonna solve all of my problems, or all of what I thought were problems. But um, because it didn't, I'm thinking what you're describing is World War III had a somber tone to it. Yeah. It was darker than Shell Shock. And it was more, um, it was more uh, 
thought-provoking and more heartfelt because I was just going through different things in my head at the time. Just like, yo, like I, this this doesn't make any sense no more. So that's why you got songs like Battle Cry. Like, yo, I'm just sitting beneath the sunrise. Like, I don't want to die, but I'm ready. You know, just stuff like that. And um, we had different producers on um, World War Three as well because by then, Beast by the Pound had, had left. And um, I had to assemble some guys to, to finish up this project. But I did want the project to sound different from Shellshock. I'd be wanting every last one of my projects to sound totally different. But, uh, but that one happened by, um, it, happened, it, it was different for reasons beyond my control, as I would say. <laughs> and um, well, No Limit had a huge roster and you're regarded as one of the top spitters there. Um, I'd like to know, you know, about the ciphers and stuff. Was there anybody who pretty much put uh, made you put your hard hat on and gave you a run for your money? Because, you know, iron sharpens iron. So I like to know about um, some of the cohorts there that uh, that was regarded as the top spitters, too. I mean, I'm going to just be honest with you. Mia X is a, is a lyricist. So, Mia, when you you had to bring your A game when you was on the song with Mia because she was going to tell you. Up. Wow. Um, Mystical, of course, is a lyricist. A lot, and, and I'm going to say this. I don't think Mystical get enough credit for being a lyricist because his style is so animated. And people are more, um, I think that people are more um, attentive to his his style and just the- Right, it, the performance and all that. It, right, the performance. But if you listen to the words that Mystical is saying, Mystical actually got lyrics. Fiend uh, is another one. I think that because Fiend actually has a deep voice and can and be melodic, I think that he didn't get enough credit for being a lyricist because Fiend actually was a lyricist as well. And then there's my main man, Soldier Slim. Soldier Slim had a style, I think, like nobody else. And Soldier Slim vocabulary was vast. Even though he was saying a lot of gangster stuff, if you really pay attention to the uh, pay attention to the words, he didn't use a lot of the same words all of the time. He had a, he had a vast vocabulary. He wasn't a fool. He just was, and he was an East Coast rap fan too. Me and me and Slim grew up together, so uh, a lot of us was kind of cut from the same cloth. It's just we had different, you know, we had different flavors. We had different distinctive flavors. Nice. Awesome. Um, Memories is one of my favorite songs. I can listen to that all the time. And um, yeah, yeah. And uh, what I want to ask you with that one, what would you as an adult say to your younger self growing up? What advice would you give? Wow, that's a good question. I think I would just say, man, slow your roll. And I know that's cliche because it's one of my songs, but I would say slow <laughs> your roll. Mm -hmm. And um, take your time, man, and, and, and enjoy it. Slow your, take, slow your roll and enjoy your life is what I would tell my younger self. Enjoy your life and be free, man. Just live free. Live free. Um, memories was actually C Murder's concept. Okay. Like, he literally came to me like, yo, well, Kel played the beat. C came up with the chorus. He, we were in the studio and we were vibing. He was like, man, this is going to be the chorus. This, check this chorus out. So he went to running it. And then he's like, I'm like, cool. I like that. Yeah, keep that in there. Let's roll. And that's what we did. So that was actually C Murder's concept. Wow. Okay, okay. Um, 
I also got to ask you this. So what you had said earlier about um, working with Mia X and bringing your A-game, there's a song on Mia X Mama Drama, Flip and Rip, where KLC mm -hmm. flips a coin. Did the coin right. flip really happen, or was that that was just for the song? Man, see, I, I want to lie and say that it really happened because we were actually flipping the coin and doing that, but I can't remember. But that would... I'm going to just stick to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead on and roll with that. Because it, it sounds good. I'm not I'm not going to lie. As as a fan, though, I was glad that you lost the coin flip, so you had to go first because you you, you <laughs> that song. Oh, man, that was, that was, that was, I think that song put me in my, yeah, that put me in my, my, my battle rap zone, as you would say. Yeah, but, but when you, I, I could tell that you were like a, a battler because, one thing No Limit was famous for that I paid attention to was all the posse cuts. Like everybody album had that one song, and it would be like twelve to yeah. fifteen of y'all on the one song. So whether know. so whether it was uh, Soldier Slim's No Limit Party or Soldiers right. on Sea Murder Life or Death album, you always you always brought that heat. I think uh, one of your most memorable lines, and I don't I don't know why this sticks in my head, but it's also on Mia X Mama Drama on Put It Down. You said it, I. I puts it down like a vegetarian do a hamburger. And like <laughs> that that line always You know what's crazy? I'm gonna tell you something, bro. Man, I don't even remember saying that. Man, oh. that's, that's weird, man. I, that was probably one of them songs I wrote that day in the studio that day, because I can't even remember. was y'all pumping out songs like three, four, five, six verses a day, or y'all took your time real quick? Cause y'all came out with some verses fast. I, I want I want to correct you. You said pumping out verses a day. No, we were pumping out three, four, five songs per day. That's man, work. Man, that, that label was ran like McDonald's. It was like a fast thing. <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't even. I remember one day we were um uh Kellen was like kind of trying to uh mix something down, man, and get it all prepared and, and uh get it, you know, mix it right. And Pete came in there, he was just like, yo, he was like, man, what, what y'all doing? We're like, man, we're trying to mix it. He like, mix it, man. We got 10 elements to make, man. Everybody get that finished. <laughs> Turn that bass up and let's roll, man. So that was it. Um, what was the influence behind naming the album Shell Shocked? Oh, my pops. My pops are Vietnam vets. So, um, you know, I grew up, me and my pops used to, I just grew up admiring my dad. I used to wear his, like, his uh, military T-shirts, his garbs and stuff. We used to watch every military movie that came out, you know, whether it was Hamburger Hill, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, mm. any any military uh, movie that came out, me and my dad would go to the theater and watch it. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, basically, Shell Shock was my um, my interpretation of, of all of that. Nice. Those are classics. I like those movies too, man. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. My favorite probably, Saving Private Ryan, man. That was one of the best military movies I've seen. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to ask about BG. Uh, you shot him out on the song Cops and Robbers. Right. Uh, have you ever thought about ever trying to sign with Cash Money Records? Like, did that thought ever came across your mind? Right. So, so I actually was, I was, uh, I was actually um, flirting with the idea of signing with Cash Money. And um, 
me and BG grew up together. So I, you know, I've, I've known BG since he was a little kid, and he has the perfect name. That was a terrible child. little <laughs> <laughs> boy was the perfect baby gangster. Is the perfect name for that little boy. That was a badass little boy because he's a couple years younger than me. But um, he was he was a good dude, and you know, we were in the studio. He actually recorded Chopper City at the studio um, that was owned by a record label that I was actually signed to at the time called Ionic. And um, they had this big state-of-the-art studio. Uh, man, it came up there with, you know, BG, they recorded Chopper City, and then BG came in the room and was like, man, I want you to come here. This track fresh doing, man. I want you to get on it. So I, I basically went in there. And so once I put World War Three out, I just put my two verses from Cops and Robbers on there and added a third verse to it. Wonderful song. Nah, and, and that 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 song, that's actually the, the first verse of yours I ever heard. But um I actually want to bring something else up that goes back further than that. So um uh Psycho Ward. So how how do you and I, I know you and Storm had made like Mad or Jealous, which when right. I first heard that, everybody was like, everybody that I played that to was like, yo, like who is this guy? Like we we like what we hear. Right. So like so, like, how did that record come about? And uh, how did you and Storm uh, end up linking up and, and forming Psycho Ward? Hmm. Well, first of all, how in the hell did you hear Mad or Jealous? So, I got family <laughs> da- I got family down in the N.O. So, we used to... Uh, all right, all back right. All right. I'm like, damn, how you know about Mad or Jealous? All right, so here's Mad or Jealous was like... Um, all right, so the Psycho Ward was formed by me, a guy named Chill. This is all right. This is crazy. All right. Me, chill, and if y'all heard this song called I Can Tell, where there's a guy singing, you ain't got to say too much for I. Well, me, Jabot, because that's my partner, Jabot. Me, Jabot, and a guy named Chill went to high school together. And we had a rap group we formed at the time called Headbangers. We was like, you know, we that was around the time I had my head twisted up. I thought I was from uh, Queens, New Orleans. And, uh, <laughs> and so we were... We, we had the little group, we called ourselves the Headbangers, and the Headbangers eventually became Psycho Ward, right? So it was founded by me and Chill, and we met this brother named Rod Smooth, who was with a group called Natural Flavors. We met a brother named E.F. Cutton, who was with a group called Renegades. And then there was a young two, two young ladies who, was, who became part of the crew who called themselves forces of nature. One of them was Storm, and it was another young lady named Axis. So um, the Psycho War, was ba- it, it basically became an umbrella for a whole lot of groups who were into diehard hip-hop. We had breakdancers, we had graffiti artists, we had you know rappers, we had producers, we had DJs, and we were like, if I had to compare us to anything, we were like the southern version of Wu-Tang. Only we probably had more people than Wu-Tang. It was about 30, 40 guys, man. So, um, but we were a bunch of different independent groups within the cycle wall. Nice, nice. Um, I just want to ask, while you were incarcerated, you obtained your HVAC license. Do you plan to utilize that or to go into business now with that? Well, I hope I never had to use it, but... Um, I got it because we're in Southern Louisiana. It gets hot as hell. So, right. I, man, this is... A degree that I know I can always get me a job doing because it's hot as hell down here. So we need AC. So that's why I learned it. And I just like learning anyway, man. I'm 
I'm a um, what you would call a I'm an education nut. I like to learn. <laughs> nice. Yeah, any other certifications did you obtain there, or any uh, awards or things you did there? What certifications or awards? Oh, both. Any anything um, right. you picked up there? Ah, I, I picked up a bunch of trades, man. I um one, one of them, and man, probably too many to name. One that sticks out. One oh shit. Why is my phone ringing? One that sticks out is uh, I took an offset printing course oh, nice. when I first got um, incarcerated to basically run a printing press because I wanted to know how to like make my own magazine. You know what I mean? And then social media came and killed all that. So I was like, yeah. I took that. Uh, um, I, I took college courses. Um, I went to uh, they had. They offered like um, Ashland University, I think is in Ohio, but they offered college courses to the prison. So I took that. Um, as far as awards, my the best award, man, I ever got in my life, whether I was free or in prison, I got uh, in 2012, man, the brothers at the prison gave me a humanitarian award. For basically, oh, wow. That's, that's basically, great. That's wonderful. Basically being myself. It, I, that's why I consider it the best award because it was an award that I got for uh, just being me. And I didn't know I was getting it. And I shared this story with, I think, uh, one other publication. I, what was weird was I was part of a music club called the Music Association at the prison, right? And we provide music and um, you know, for all of the events in the prison. And I had became the president at, at some point. So we were told to, uh, to provide music for this, this particular event. So we all went to the event, and while we were there, you know, they were talking about that year's um, person who, you know, the, the, the recipient of the humanitarian award for that year, right? So they're describing this guy, and I'm just like, damn, this dude did a lot of shit, as they're describing it. But then when he got to the final paragraph of this guy, he was like, and he's a former recording artist with no limit. So I just stood there with my mouth open like, and everybody in the building knew except me. Wow. So when I get to the podium, so when I get to the podium, all I could say at the microphone was, "Man, y'all are all wrong for this shit." That's all. <laughs> so the crazy thing is, you never know who's watching you, man. I had I had no idea that they were watching all of the stuff that I was doing for people, but uh, that was probably the best award I ever got. Man. That's all. Yeah, so uh, let me uh, let me ask you um, this. The concept of war what I, I want to ask you. No, somebody yeah. say something. Go ahead, yeah, smooth. You you you, you want to go? Wanna um, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Um, no, go ahead. So, yeah. so while while we're on that topic, um, obviously you, you, your situation is is tough for any normal man to have withstood. So, like, what? And you've you've as you've seemed to keep a positive spirit throughout. So, like, what what kept your energy positive and like? What made you like not not fold under those circumstances, if you don't mind me asking? All right. Well, the first thing was uh, just family, man, family support. Uh, you know, from day one, my parents, my sibling, they were they were they was they were supportive. And um, I think that that's kind of what kept me rooted and grounded. That's the first thing. Uh, secondly, support from friends, you know, and um, and the community, man. I, I can't say that I was given a lot of support while in prison. Um, and then music, 
You know what I mean? Just being able to be a part of the, uh, be a part of the, the music club. I, I learned a lot in there, and um, just just being surrounded by good people is what kept me, and uh, to some degree, just kept me sane. But important is just on a personal level. You know, one of my um, one of my promises I made to myself when I first. Uh, you know, when I first got arrested was that I would not allow myself to become black hearted. I didn't want to become bitter about what had happened to me. You know what I mean? Because I've, I've seen bitter people, you know, before and, and, and that's not a good way to live, you know, and, and it's that's something that I, I was conscious of all the time. No matter what, how mad I was at a particular moment, it was like, man, don't get too mad because you don't want to be like this. You know what I mean? You don't want to become that person that's just mad all the freaking time as looking at every situation from the most negative perspective. And I didn't want to be that person. So I combated that by finding things to do and, and ways to channel uh, the, the stress and the frustration that I was going through. And most of it, I channeled through music. Yeah, and I, and I see that because uh, you went in as a rapper and you came out playing guitars, pianos, more. You, oh, you, became, you, you, yeah, you became a, a, real, a real musician. Uh, that was that was that was therapeutic, man. Like I literally used to go in the music room and spend hours just playing the piano. Sometimes, like whenever I got stressed, I was mad about something, I took it out on them keys, or I would go grab a bass and be in there for hours playing the bass. Or I'll go get on the drums and just beat the drums up because I'm mad. I won't beat somebody up, so I will beat the drums up. <laughs> and uh, you know, and and that kind of gave me an outlet because I think everybody needs an outlet, man. You need something that you do. That uh that releases that energy, especially when it's negative energy, because negative energy is strong and it travels fast. Right, that's right. Um, what I was mentioning earlier about uh battle rap, were you in any uh rap battles coming up? And what do you think of battle rap currently? Because now you got leagues, you got you know URL and all this other stuff. So have you ever kept up with that uh currently? Um, yeah, like I actually. I saw the show when I was in prison called uh, what's the show that Nick Cannon has? Wild and Out. Yeah, that's basically battle battle rapping. Like it's, it's 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 commercialized, but nevertheless, that's battle rapping. So I saw that I was like, yo, they got a show for battle rapping. Damn, <laughs> right, you know, right. that's like a hip hopper's dream. You know, back in the day, like, <laughs> yo. So because I always felt that battle rappers just never got they do, like you know what I mean, and and ironically. And I don't know if you guys would agree, but the first battle record that I ever heard that that rose to number one on the charts was a song from not even from someone not even from New York. It was Lil Wayne's "I'm Illy." Oh, that was yeah. the first time I had mm. ever heard a song on the radio without a chorus. I was like, "Yo, this dude has a record on the radio that's topping the charts without a chorus. He's just spitting." You know what I mean? So it was crazy. Yeah. That was like, yo, this is a battle rapper's dream come true. But um, I think I was in several battles as a kid. I mean, that's what I used to do. In fact, I used to go to different clubs to get in battles to win money because I was broke. Um, but at that time, battle rapping was not marketable. You know what I mean? You had to come with something that, you know, people can dance to something they can sing along to at that time. So uh, it wasn't lucrative. It wasn't as lucrative as it, as it can potentially be now, but now 
they're battling on a whole different level. These guys are really trying to um, do each other physical harm now. So it's like, hey, I don't know if I want battle rap no more because you call out somebody <laughs> on the record now. It's like they're not taking it. Like, yo, you know, I'm I'm about to get in his on in his boot and spit something fire at him. It's like, no, they're trying to spit fire back at you for real. I'm like, nah, dude, I don't want to get in that. that's cool um i'd also seen that you're into visual arts do you have any um projects or any art that you would like to share with us oh actually i haven't man i haven't i haven't sketched anything in a while but i'm about to in fact in this um where i'm at now when we're in the building my mother's my mother's art studio is actually in here so i told her that and i've been going over there you know helping her out with the shop because it's it's a family thing like all of my brothers all of my siblings we're artists we all we're all visual artists and we're musicians so um like uh i'll probably be painting something soon you know when i have when i have a moment to myself i'm gonna probably uh uh do some painting because that's therapeutic too that's awesome. Yeah, if you could share that on Instagram, that'd be awesome. I'm sure the fans yeah, and I will. I'm gonna have to show y'all some. I'm gonna have to show people some of my mom's work and some of my sister. One of my sisters is a beast. She's a beast. Nice. Nice. Love to see it. Definitely want to uh, see it. My uh, my brother, who's uh, one of my brothers, is a trombone player. He's actually an artist as well. He actually uh, traveled with Salons. He was he was part of her band for a lot of years. Oh, nice. And, um, my other brother is an, a visual artist, but he's also a saxophone player who plays with a second line band in uh, in New Orleans. So uh, my sister is a visual artist, and she's the lead singer of a reggae band in New Orleans. So it's, it's like wow. it's oh, all, wow. all that's dope. dope. That's nice. you, you just come from a family full of musicians, so that's 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 dope. Um, well, I was the first one. Now, I'm the oldest child, so I was the first one. Ain't nobody was doing it before set me. Set the example. <laughs> yeah, right? Everybody else could be one before. I was first. doing it. I had no examples to set. I was a kid. All I had was balls. That's it. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> have no knowledge of anything. So let me ask, 21 Summers, right? Now, mm-hmm. I was so happy to get a new song from you. Like, And I told I told Q this uh, when, I, when the song dropped. I literally sat there and left it on repeat. It must have streamed like 30 times in a row. But, um... <laughs> Now, nah, but the song, the song, the song is cool. Come on, give me a check for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> they should. They should. Nah, they should. But um, like, what was your like? The song to me comes off as like a celebration song. So, right. That's what so, I wanted it to be. Okay. So, so you were like, like your mindset in making that song, you were just completely positive and because yeah, that, that, yeah, that was a positive song. It, it, I wanted to let people know, man. I'm happy to be away from that box. I'm happy to not be on that head count, man. I'm, I'm, I'm out here, and I'm just, I'm excited to learn all of the new stuff that's going on. Like my wife just came, got my phone. I don't even know how to use this phone. I promise you that, man. I got this, this, uh, this, what is a smartphone? It's smarter than me because I have no idea. <laughs> I'm still trying to. I'm excited to learn all of the new stuff that's uh, going on. I just, I just uh, discovered this little app where I can play uh, different instruments on a song and then piece it together to make a video of me like playing the drums and then playing the bass. And I'm still learning. I've been I've been messing with that for the last two days. So I'm excited about that. So y'all gonna see something on Instagram soon. Nice. Actually uh, doing those type of videos. Nice, nice. And um, I guess this is a two-parter question to follow it up. So you mentioned uh, the new technology. So number one, when you was recording 21 Summers, like what was it? What, what did it feel like to be back in the studio after so long? Man, and, I was and, nervous as hell. Really? <laughs> mm. 
I hadn't heard myself on the mic in so long. I was nervous as hell. I didn't know what it was going to sound like. I was like, man, it's got to come out right. It's got to come out right. Because people going to be like, oh, we waited all this time. Oh. So uh, I was just like, man, I hope this come out right. So I, I was nervous. But when I did the second song, I had a nervousness that kind of wore off because I, I had something to compare it to. Right, right. And I, I had listened to your, your listening live the um the other day. And I heard the snippet of that song. I think it's what grown man business, if I believe that. Grown man business. And yo, when 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 you played the snippet of that, instantly in my mind, I was like, "Yo, Mac never lost it." Like, oh man, I appreciate that. Um, ah man, I used to sit on my rack in the in the joint and just basically give myself cancer. Like literally, I would sit on my bed, just beat on my chest, close my eyes, and just imagine like thousands of people. And I would just be giving myself concerts just to just to pass the time, you know what I mean? Because I, I used to be like, "Yo, I gotta be at, I gotta go to this particular um, uh, classroom at this particular time, which is two hours away." So I'd be like, "If I rap ten songs and stretch them out, by the time I'm finished doing this concert in my head, it'd be time for me to go to this uh, classroom." So that's the kind of stuff that that I used to do just to pass the time. And you said that you had wrote that song. That was the song you had wrote while you was inside, right? What, 21 Summers? Yes. Yeah, I was actually in work release, which is when you leave the prison and you go to a facility where um, you're basically, they have contracts with different companies and you go literally work there. You're just sleeping at the facility. I was there for uh, four months before I got released. And um, I was working at a shipyard and I was in the bottom of one of the ships while fire watching while one of the welders was welding the bottom of the boat and that's when i wrote 21 summers just imagining what i would feel like once i'm free wow you so you you wrote a song while while making sure somebody didn't get burnt to a crisp that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah yeah no i was making sure i didn't get burnt to a crisp i was the dummy inside <laughs> the ship <laughs> he was on the <laughs> it's a good piece it has a modern feel to it too with the auto-tune and the harmonizing and uh, you had made mention that your son is 21. Did he have um, any hand in helping you produce the song? No, no. He, uh, my son raps, though. He, he raps. I'm going to have to get him on you all show one time. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, oh, absolutely. He's, uh, my, my son has more of a um, Baton Rouge type flow. Nice. You know what I mean? He's, he's more uh, like if I had to compare him to anybody, it would be like your, your Gates, your, your NBA Young Boys, your people from that area, from uh, gotcha. Baton Rouge. And um, he, he, he's learning now, he's learning production. I've been kind of having him with me in the studio, kind of teaching him how to uh, put it together. But he, had, he, he didn't have any hand in, in 21 Summers other than just inspiration for me, you know, because he's my son. Nice, nice. Be cool to him, uh, hear him in uh, TYBG, son, on a track there. Look, they just met. Like, oh. they literally just met at the awesome. live. At my wow. Live. At my live, uh, when I was on live, they met. That's when, because uh, T.Y. was with Currency when he yes. came through. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, I, nice. I, I, I see I see you always rocking the Jet Life gear, so shout out shout out to Currency. Yeah. Yes. He, when I, well, look, when I got out, Currency came. When I uh, I went to highlight him one day, he gave me a box full of stuff, man, with all of the T-shirts and hats on it. So, you know, I mean, I just appreciated that. And I just, I wear it just, to, you know, Denny, Denny from the home team. And you know that's, that's the homie. So you know, I, um, I, if I'm aware of anything, I'm gonna rep you know my partners and the people I, I got love for. 
He's one of my personal favorites. We actually uh, met in person at a meet and greet in Philadelphia, and he's super, super cool, Ben. I always check him out anytime he does his concerts in New York, man. That spinner's real laid back. That's Mm -hmm. probably the weed, though. Yeah, oh, he he has some good stuff. He actually shared it with me. He's pretty good. <laughs> look, when he came, when he showed up in the live, I was like, like look like just a cloud follows him. You know? What yeah. I mean? <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you know uh, your son is a rapper. Have you given him any advice as far as direction? Well, um, I'm gonna tell you what I told my son when he first told me he was rapping. He was about 15 or 14. And he told me that he had started writing raps. So what, what I said to him was I said, listen and listen good. I'm going to send you a list of albums I want you to listen to. I want you to listen to these albums, study them, and then I want you to take the best of all of what you hear, put it in a pot, spin it up, and I want you to start writing. And um, the albums I told him I wanted him to listen to were um, Ready to Die, Illmatic, The Diary by Scarface, um, Outkast's um, Aquemini album, um, Eminem's uh, first album, um, Snoop Dogg's uh, album, Doggy Style. I basically... Gave him a list of it was about 10 albums, uh, like all albums I consider great albums. It was every being Rakim's paid in full album. It was it was a lot of stuff, man. And I told him, listen to these albums, study them, understand them. I said, study the greats so that you'll someday be listed among them. I said, that's that's been my model since I was a kid. And uh, he he um I, oh, and Tupac, I gave him, I told him, Me Against the World. I told him, Listen to Me Against the World. And he said, All right, all right, all right. And that was pretty much it. In fact, he called him. In fact, he's calling me right now. I'm gonna have to answer when I get off. <laughs> no, no, no. Shell shock. The World War Three was on that list. Oh well, he already knew them songs. Uh, he knew he knew them songs front was a battle. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, he knew them songs. Great list. Awesome. It was a, it was a couple other albums as well. I just can't remember at the time. My my mind racing. Nah, so uh, let me ask you about your your mentorship because I know you you work with Son of a Saint. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 message are you are you trying to give the youth, and uh, what's your favorite part about being a mentor? All right, well, I started mentoring in prison. Uh, like I, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, I started mentoring in prison really for selfish reasons. My selfish reason was I wanted to learn how to understand my son because I was locked away from my son his whole life, so. In order to understand my son, I felt like if I start mentoring and I start communicating with these young men in the prison who were just coming to prison, I could understand the slangs, understand uh, their feelings and the way and the, and the way they viewed the world. But in doing so, I wound up getting so much more from it, man. It was fulfilling, and it, you know, it just made me feel that damn. If I can't be on hand to raise my son, then I could at least raise somebody, son. Or, you know, I can I can um, help one of these kids uh, make a decision that'll that'll change their life for the better. Because uh, the, if that was a message I would give to them is particularly young guys that's still in the streets. I would want them to know that there are guys that's in prison 
with life sentences that really wish, man, that they can go to the graveyard, dig up the graves, and blow breath back into the bodies of the people that they killed and the families that they hurt so they can get on them streets again, man. So when I see these youngsters out here glorifying taking life, I'm like, man, I wish you can meet this dude that has been incarcerated for 40 years already. Like he's already been down 40 years. And man, there is no hope for him. He has a life sentence. He's never leaving the streets. And I promise you, whatever he got into it with the guy he killed for, that feeling left. You know what I mean? And and, and we we make decisions sometimes, life-changing and life-altering decisions based on what we feel in the moment. But guess what? That feeling is going to pass, bro. And uh, that feeling ain't going to do that time with you. You're going to have to do that time. And that's what I would say to those youngsters. Before you do that, or before you do whatever it is you think you have to do, man, really give some thought to it. Really give some thought if you're ready for your life to change, because it can change in an instant. That's wise. That's wise words. True. Absolutely. That's dope. Like, let me let me ask you one more question. So, um, obviously, when when you got incarcerated, you, you know you were you had celebrity. People knew who you were. Um, did that did did that make the the twenty one years you spent in it any any more difficult or any easier? Because well, like, okay, well, it's in in some ways it made it um, easier among the prison population because, you know, guys were like, yo, what up, man? You know, and guys, guys, you know, a lot of those guys in there either was listening to the music, grew up on the music or, you know, something. So it kind of, um, it kind of gave me a, a, a platform to be able to mentor and stuff like that, you know? So it was good in that aspect. Well, the flip side of it is when you're dealing with officers, when you first get to prison, they're going to remind you that you nobody in here. You know, you're not a celebrity in here. And, and some officers are going to go out their way to let you know that you're nobody in here for whatever reasons. You know, not everybody, but you do have those officers who feel the need, probably for their own self-esteem reasons, who want to uh, remind you that you are not who you were on the streets on the inside. Makes sense. Uh, it's been stated uh, before when we talked about your... Uh, Rakim and Nas, how they influenced you. What was it about those MCs that uh, brought that influence to you? All right, well, Rakim is who I give uh, I give the credit for being my first professor, my first teacher, because Rakim was able to do something that my teachers couldn't do, and that was to basically um, send me to the encyclopedia. You know what I mean? Send me to the dictionary. My teachers used to tell me to do it, but it was schoolwork. But when I listened to Rakim's songs, I was like, what is this guy talking about? So now I'm going in the dictionary. I want to know what Mecca is. I want to know what Medina is. I want to know what um, this dude is talking about, triple stage darkness and all of this stuff. I wanted mm -hmm. to know what all this stuff was. So now I'm researching. And um, that's it's why I give him the credit for being my first professor. Um, by the time Nas came along, I think... Nas reminded me of Rakim in many ways. And that's right. why I probably uh, was drawn to his sound. But I'm going to tell you, man, C.L. Smooth was right there for me. C.L. Smooth was right there because yeah. C.L. Smooth had this, this way that he flowed, man. I, it, it, was, it was incomparable at that time to me. It was just, it was like effortlessly. 
You know yeah. what I mean? I, I always thought that CL was one of those MCs that didn't get enough credit for being one of the greats. I agree with you totally. And what I loved about CL is his delivery. Just laid back yeah. and, then, and then words hit. He was just, just a smooth cat. I remember. It was like nothing. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was almost like somebody yeah. sitting down talking to you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's what made him special. That's what makes him special. Yeah, CL. Mm-hmm. So um, let me ask you this, Matt, because I had I had read the um, the interview that you had did with uh, the mm-hmm. undefeated, and one of the final lines of that interview, you said uh, you were taking the camouflage off. So is that what what did you mean by that when you said you were taking the camouflage off? Um, basically, showing people. Oh, so this is this is who I am. This this is me. All of the. Um, all of the things that probably, um, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because for some people, I've, I have been um, what some considered a mystery in, in many ways. And uh, I never I never understood why. I just, like, I'm just me. But um, so this was that was my way of basically saying all of the um, all of what was probably blocking people from seeing who I really am, that's gone. This is me. Okay, so just you being more more open, more vulnerable. I'm, I'm right, sure. more open, showing people like, yo, because, you know, it, it was, the, the camouflage was created to protect the person inside. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, and I think that, I think that most teenagers, we come up with these alter egos to basically protect who we really are inside because we know we learned that there is a cold world out there. And that's when we that's when those alter egos come about. And I think for me, camouflage meant many things. You know, I, of course, like I told you, I was uh, drawn to my dad and the, the military aspect of things. But also I was into the Kung Fu flicks. Me and uh, a, a partner of mine named Off the Cliff, uh, uh, a guy who used to rap with um, Cycle War, we used to sit down and watch like, the Shaolin monks, the Wu Tang, all, all of these different uh, karate movies. So when the term camouflage assassin came about, and when they used it against me in court, I was like, yo, that has nothing to do with being a real life assassin. That was more a description of the way I move my hands when I flow. You know what I mean? They said I was moving my hands like swinging a sword. So I, I, I just thought that was kind of a uh, misrepresented. So I felt the need to um, let the public know that, yo, the camouflage is going on. This is who I am. You, you can see who I really am. Okay. Nice, but nice. B- before we move on real quick, um, the you swinging your hands, I don't know why, but like your style, especially in your music videos, like Boss Chick, I always mm-hmm. thought like the way that you moved around was so fluid and was so was so smooth. But now put that out crazy, there. Now, what's so crazy in hindsight, I thought I looked like a clown. I'd be like, man, why was I moving my hands? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah. that was a bad suit you had on. Well, that was a bad couple of suits you had on, by the way. Yeah, but then in hindsight, I'm like, they were too big. So, like, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you, you don't see her back then. It was like everything was baggy. Now I'm like, why didn't I get some clothes to fit me? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was the style back then. Right. Um, yeah. 
I actually own a barbershop and I employed uh, two gentlemen, uh, one older guy. He's uh, he did some time. He's in his uh, 50s and uh, he's been out for a while. He turned it around. Everything is good. And I have a younger gentleman who's 25 and he recently just came out. Um, do you have any words of wisdom or advice to give any of these gentlemen on um, pretty much how to just like keep your feet on the ground and just stay focused on the plan at hand? Man, take one day at a time. And remember, no matter what you're going through, it got to be better than being on that head count, man. It got to be better than that. And that's what advice I would give them. Whatever you're going through, whenever I think of anything that might be bothering me, I'm like, man, it got to be better than being in that box. Nice, nice. Thank that you for that. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Um, so switching gears to uh, sports, all of us here at the Rap Lab are basketball fans. So uh, mm -hmm. I want to ask you, who are your favorite players of all time? And what do you think of the current NBA talent? All right. Um, my favorite player of all time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my favorite team, ironically, was the New York Knicks. Wow. You grew up a diehard New York Knicks fan, too. Nice. Queens, New Orleans. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> my uncle, actually, my uncle taught me how to play basketball, my uncle Bean. So my, my, um, my opinions were shaped by his influence. He liked, he loved the Knicks, so I was a Knicks fan. He was a diehard Public Enemy fan, so I was a Public Enemy fan. He was, uh, you know, so pretty much that's how I came up watching sports. So back then, my favorite players were, of course, your Andy Mason. I used to like just the, uh, the Andy Mason, bro. I used yeah, to he's uh, a monster. Right, I Charles Oakley. You had um. Uh, my, my man managed to shoot the threes. He was crazy as John hell. John Stocks. Oh, he was out of his mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that dude was crazy. So, he, But he was a good shooter. Mahmoud Raouf was one of my favorite shooters. I always, oh, yeah. like, always yeah. like three-point shooters, right? So for the past, until Steph Curry came to the league, my favorite player was Ray Allen. Mm. Because I've always been a fan of three-point shooters because I feel like that's the most difficult shot on the court. So right. um, I was a... I never liked none of the teams Ray Allen played for. I just was a Ray Allen fan. I rooted for him, I rooted for him because I was a Ray Allen fan. Right. But um, then when Steph came along, I was like, yo, I've never seen anything like this. This is crazy. So uh, ironically, I was one of the few people that's a Steph and LeBron fan, if mm. that makes sense. Oh, yeah. like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, different positions. I like this one. I got to not like that one or this or that. I'm like, nah. I like both of them for two different reasons. Right. This dude is unstoppable, and this dude is unstoppable for two totally different reasons. That's cool. Hey, maybe you could uh, convince Zion Williamson to sign with the Knicks when he's a free agent. Who, Zion? Yeah. Oh, then he'll be having to leave New Orleans, and New Orleans <laughs> don't have enough for Zion. <laughs> but I ain't going to say that because I think they done picked up a few uh, good players, and um, – I hope they do well. I've never been to a Pelicans game yet, so I just got out, and I can't wait to go because that nice. arena didn't exist when I was on the street. Right, right. Because, because, but um, before I went in, I would say that that arena didn't exist. Yeah, no Pelicans, no Hornets at the time. So yeah, yeah they didn't have the Hornets. They didn't have none of that at the time. But um, my my last question to to you, Mac, um, uh -huh. you 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 came up on New York hip hop. You just said you like the New York Knicks, so you were like. You studied New York so much. How did you end up signing with, with P and No Limit? 
All right, let me state this. I wasn't a Giants or Jets fan. So let me get oh, they knew Jersey anyway. They knew Jersey. Anyway. They knew like, Jersey. You know, mix. Uh, so wait. Um, well, the decision was basically this. I said to myself at 19 years old, this was my simple logic at that time. I was like, yo, if I go to New York, I told y'all for obvious reasons, you know, I'll be on my own. But then from just a, a, a artist standpoint, it was like, my style is similar to those guys in New York. So if I go to New York and sign with a label in New York, then I'll just become a come a one in a sea of other guys that's like that, right? I said, but here I have an opportunity to stick out like a sore thumb. And that's why I took that opportunity. It was just that simple. It was like, yo, here, nobody else raps like this. I'll stick out like a sore thumb. And that was it. Respect. Nice. Okay, so my last question. Um, oh man, it was an awkward silence. Oh, like, hold up, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question is: um, What do you hope to achieve with your music and message long term, and what type of legacy do you plan to leave? Oh man, first of all, I want to just show people that yo, you can go do twenty one in a bid. Don't ever do twenty one in a bid. And I stress, don't ever do twenty one years in the box. I would tell that to everybody. But I want to show people that you can go through something, walk through it no matter what it takes, but when you come out of it. So my, my goal, man, is to prove to people that you can have what you consider success, even after something like incarceration. You know, this is, this, I came home to a, a, a different world, man. I feel like an alien sometimes, but I'm learning and I'm adapting because I want to show people who may be going through something similar that is not over that you can still do your thing. I'm a 44-year-old rapper. You know, at one time, it was like, anybody want to hear nobody 44 years old rapping? But I think hip-hop has matured and that I think hip-hop has reached that, that, um, reached that, that stage where we're like every other genre of music. Blues artists perform until they're 70, 80 years old. R&B artists perform until they're whatever. So I think that hip-hop has finally reach that age where it's it's allowing um, a career to someone even like me who has been away from it from all of these years and i just want to continue to do that man and, and and show people that this is possible and that you can do this grace you can do this graciously and uh you don't have to be everybody's enemy you know what i mean and uh you can just make good music and I want to do this until I can't walk no more. I'm telling you, I'm going to be on stage until they got to carry me off the stage. That's what I, love. I agree. I like that. I like that. It's kind of funny. It's kind of interesting you said that, too, because I remember hearing Ice Cube say something like that when he, when he uh, received the Lifetime Achievement Award. He said, as long as you got a tongue, as long as you can speak, you can always be rapping. So, yeah, that's, that's, real. that's real. That's real. Yeah. If I if I knew how to sing, I probably if I knew how to sing, I wouldn't be a rapper. I promise y'all. I love <laughs> I love songs. But, but you, uh, did a, you did a little singing on Twenty One Summers though. Yeah, see, that was kind of like the, the the way the auto tune is kind of set up. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of <laughs> like it really enhanced what I was trying to do. Nah, gotcha. but it it didn't sound right. But I, I'm glad I'm glad that you uh that you can make that type of music using that type of technology. Because when I heard that, I was like. Oh, look at Mac using 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 auto tune. I was like, yo, and it don't sound bad. You oh, all right. I was about to say, see the all oh, look at Mac the way you said it at first. I couldn't turn that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. All oh, look at Mac. That, that's how you know I'm impressed because the I was like, wow, like 
my man really out here, really out here. Like he, like he never, never took a break. <laughs> and Alfred's oh. our resident singer, so that's a compliment. So now I have a question. Yes, sir. I see behind Alfred. That is a action figure of ah, what is the guy's name with the long hair in the re- the, the wrestler, right? Yeah, that's Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I was tripping, but yeah, that's what that. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, you a big wrestler fan? Who me? Yeah. Well, and uh, well, check it out. In the joint, you had a, a group of dudes who was gonna watch wrestling. Whether you like it or not, they have some okay. older cats. They get in front of the TV. They like, man, we watching wrestling tonight. I'm like, all right, this dude been locked up 20, 30 years. He probably got a big old knife, so he gonna watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to watch it, man. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, what other entertainment y'all 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 had on TV? Like, I know I know you said you kept up with basketball quite quite frequent. Oh man, then that's is that cassettes or CDs behind you? Oh no, nah, those are cassettes and CDs. Like I got like a crazy, I got a crazy album collection, man. Like I need to come to your house. I might. <laughs> I, I, even, I, I, I even got some, I even got your stuff in the collection. So it's like, oh man, I appreciate that, but I might become a thief. I come to your house. <laughs> I got, I got everything, my man. You gotta watch your step in there. Sometimes you be stepping over it. There's so many in his house. When when I when I leave out there, it'll be a very clean house. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, mo- monumental. If, if if it was a big record or influential, I you name it, I got it. So oh that's that's dope. That's dope. I um entertainment, my my uh what, what's this? My my off the wall thing that most people don't know is I love HGTV, man. I used really? to watch Home that. Like I was, a, I, I now I don't have to watch HGTV. Now that we have phones, I just watch DIY videos on YouTube. Nice. That's, that, that's my little thing that I love to do. Is I love creating stuff, building stuff, watching stuff be built. You know that kind of stuff. Now well, you you are an artist and a creator, so I, I'm not even surprised. Right. So that's just I just like to see things. I like to see something from start to finish, like become nothing, and then you know. Awesome. Uh, my last question for you is uh, with everything that you've rapped about, everything that you've seen and everything you've accomplished in life. And you kind of touched on this earlier. What is your overall message to the people, especially the youth out there that need guidance? Um, man, like you're talking about what is my message to the youth? Yeah. Love yourself, man. That's the that's the most important thing. You have to love you. And genuinely love you, not like the fact that you got some fancy tennis shoes or there's no, you have to love you. You have to set boundaries for people around you. You know what I mean? And you have to treat people the way you want to be treated. I think that if everyone on planet Earth treated everybody else the way they want to be treated, unless you just a damn fool who is a glut for pain, I think we'll have the perfect world because, you know. That's what it ultimately boils down to for me. And that's the message that I would give to everybody on, on, on this planet, whether they're 14 years old or 64 years old. Man, treat people the way you want to be treated, and I think the world will be a better place. That's Amen. dope. Amen. That's 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 a great that's a great place to to wrap this up. Mac, honor, privilege, man. I never it's funny because. Growing up, I never, I never would have thought eight-year-old me would would grow to be thirty and end up talking to one of my heroes, man. So, 
Oh, man, I, I appreciate that. And it's humbling for you to even call me a hero. But I do want an invitation to your house. Me and my wife going to come back. <laughs> I'm going to break my curfew so we can come out there and I can steal some of them tapes, man. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't even be stealing. I'd give them to you, bro. I, I, I would give them to you. You can't give it to I want to steal it. It feels better if I take it. <laughs> I want to take it. <laughs> well, whenever you make it to New York, you more than we. I'm, I'll be more than happy to link with you. You have to turn your head or something so I can just put something in my pocket. <laughs> <That's body. you. laughs> deal. That's oh, the deal. Yeah. I turn a blind eye to so, it. For sure. Well, man, it's been a pleasure to be here, brother. And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to be among y'all, man. And hopefully, we'll 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 get back with each other soon. I won't Love still that. bring my son on here so he can uh, talk to y'all, man. Y'all may have some questions for him Absolutely. that um, he made, you know, from his perspective of what he went through. With me being uh, incarcerated. No, absolutely. I would. I would love. I would. Yeah, love it'd to be have awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be an honor for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, man. One. I'm gonna holler at y'all, man. Peace. All right. Thank you.